section twenty five of cambridge medieval history volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. cambridge medieval history volume one section twenty five part four during this time of military activity the defences along the whole line of the rhine were strengthened the existing castles and watch-towers were improved and many new ones were built indeed a vigorous development of this old and well-tried system of frontier defence is the special merit of valentinian taken generally his reign marks a revival of the strength of the empire inward as well as outward and the results of his work upon the rhine could be felt for a generation after his death thus his son and successor gratian three seventy five to three eighty three found for the most part his ways made plain and a more peaceful situation obtaining on his arrival in gaul than that which had confronted his father ten years earlier nevertheless he too had to draw the sword against the alamans who mainly the tribe of the lentienses in the spring of three seventy eight crossed the rhine with a considerable force a battle took place near argentaria horberg near colmar in which the romans gained a complete victory destroying the greater part of the enemy thus here on the rhine frontier the year three seventy eight brought the romans once more a complete success the same year which in the east witnessed the breakdown of the roman military power and the disastrous fall of the emperor valens in contrast to the rhine countries the danubian provinces had since the death of the emperor probus enjoyed comparative peace the power of the most dangerous neighbour of the empire the goths had been crippled for a long time as we have seen by claudius and aurelian and more especially by the dissensions and struggles between the different tribes these goths in particular had since the close of the third century been fully occupied with their own affairs and completely disappeared for nearly a century in the fourth century it is always the western division the tervingi of whom we hear as is indeed natural seeing that their conquest of transdanubian moesia under gallienus had made them the immediate neighbours of the empire no events of any great importance on the danubian frontier are recorded down to the time of constantine true an inscription of diocletian and his colleagues of a date shortly before three o one celebrates a victory over hostile tribes on the lower danube which doubtless means the goths but these battles can hardly have been of any considerable importance on the other hand constantine frequently had trouble with the goths after some inroads in three fourteen the frontier defences were strengthened by the building of the fortress tropium triani adema lysi the removal of troops from the frontier during preparations of Licinius for another civil war gave the signal at the beginning of three twenty three for a new incursion of the goths thanks to the rapid advance of constantine which brought him into his colleague's territory the invaders were intercepted before they had done any great damage and after severe losses including the death of their leader rasamad were forced back across the danube after the end of the civil war constantine strove with unwearying zeal to improve the defences of the frontier 
the line was protected by castles and although the number of the frontier troops to whom was especially assigned the duty of garrisoning them the militus limitani i or riparuensis was considerably reduced there was no diminution but on the contrary a distinct increase of military security gained by the creation at the same time of a mobile field force so strong did the roman empire feel itself at this period that towards the close of the reign of constantine it even ventured to interfere in events on the further side of the danube where the goths and tailfali were encroaching on the sarmatians who occupied the tract between the tice and the danube in response to an appeal of the sarmatians for help the emperor's eldest son constantine crossed the river at the head of an army and in conjunction with the sarmatians thoroughly routed the teutons twenty april three thirty two doubtless in consequence of this defeat which clearly brought home to them the military superiority of the empire the warlike ardour of the tervingi and tailfali was extinguished for a long time their impulse to expand the driving force of all their undertakings was exhausted for the present the barbarians began to busy themselves with agriculture and cattle raising as regards their relation to the empire former conditions were reversed by the treaty of peace concluded after their defeat they nominally surrendered their independence and recognized the suzerainty of the roman government being pledged as fiderati in return for yearly subsidies anoni fiderati to share in the defence of the frontier and in case of war to serve as auxiliary troops the peace continued for more than thirty years from time to time there may have been slight disturbances of the peace of this indeed there is inscriptional evidence from the period of the joint rule of the three sons of constantine three thirty seven to three forty but on the whole both sides strictly observed their compact during this long period of peace the west scots underwent a revolution primarily religious but one which in its consequences affected the whole mental social and political life of the people the introduction of christianity as early as the second half of the third century christian teaching had obtained an entrance among them through cappadocian prisoners taken in the sea expeditions against asia minor there is no reason to doubt this fact and it is equally certain that a century later there were among the goths representatives of the most various schools of belief catholics arians and since about three fifty audeans accordingly the beginnings of christianity among the goths of the danube reached far back and its diffusion among them took place under the most various and independent influences of a conversion of the nation there can be no question at least as far down as the middle of the fourth century their conversion only begins with the appearance of ulfila born of christian parents about the year three ten to eleven in the country of the goths he grew up as a goth among the goths although greek blood flowed in his veins one or other of his parents came of a christian family from the neighbourhood of parnassus and cappadocia which had been carried into captivity by the goths in the time of gallienus two sixty four first employed as a reader he was at the age of about thirty that is to say about the year three forty one consecrated as bishop of the christian community in the land of the goths 
by eusebius of nicomedia the famous leader of the arian party at that time bishop of constantinople equally efficient as missionary and as organizer ulfila gathered and united the scattered confessors of the christian faith and by his enthusiastic preaching of the gospel he won for it many new adherents for seven years he worked with great success among his fellow-countrymen and then he was suddenly obliged around three forty eight to interrupt his work a godless and impious prince probably anthonaric inflicted cruel persecution on the christians who dwelt within his dominion by which the newly organized church was scattered and its bishop compelled to leave his home ulfila gathered together his adherents or as many of them as had escaped the persecution and fled with them across the danube into roman territory where the emperor constantius gave him shelter here he lived and worked in the neighborhood of necopolis as the priestly and also as the political head of the goths who had accompanied him in his flight until three eighty or three eighty one in very truth the apostle of the goths and not least so in virtue of his great work of translating the bible by which he transmitted to his people the knowledge of the holy scriptures for all time and although his missionary activity in his native land had early been brought to a close yet the conversion of the whole gothic race to arian christianity was nothing else than the harvest of that seed which he had sown in those first years of his work among them soon after the death of constantius three sixty one the friendly relations between the west Goths and the empire began to change scarcely had valentinian and valens ascended the throne when there was an open rupture first towards the end of three sixty four predatory bands of goths devastated thrace at the same time there was an incursion of the quadi and sarmatians into pannonia then in the spring of three sixty five the whole gothic nation prepared for a great expedition against the roman territory once more the danger was averted valens although he was on the march for syria and had already reached bithynia at once took vigorous measures to cope with it two years later however came the long-expected collision valens himself advanced to the attack he found a pretext in the ambiguous attitude of the goths in recent years especially in their having aided the usurper procopius with a contingent of three thousand men winter of three sixty five to six in the summer of three sixty seven the roman army crossed the danube yet no events of decisive importance took place either in this or the two following years for the war lasted till three sixty nine the gauls who had chosen as their leader anthanaric skilfully avoided a pitched battle and they withdrew into the fastnesses of the transylvanian highlands in the end both sides were weary of the war and negotiations were set on foot which resulted in a treaty of peace whereby the alliance with the tervingi was formally annulled and the danube was established as the boundary between the two powers immediately after the war which had restored the status quo of the beginning of the century and therewith the complete liberty of the goths the romans set to work on a thorough restoration of the frontier defences numerous burgi barrier forts were erected along the line of the danube as we learn in part from the evidence of inscriptions yet at first the frontier remained undisturbed internal dissensions and strife chiefly due to a general persecution of the christians stirred up by anthanaric about the year three seventy withdrew his attention from external affairs the gothic prince showed the utmost ferocity against all christians without distinction of high or low arian catholic or audean 
with the avowed intention of extirpating christianity as dangerous to the state and deleterious to the strength and vigor of the nation probably in connection with this there arose around three seventy a violent conflict between the two most influential chiefs and Fanaric and fritigern which finally led to an open schism between two portions of the race fritigern was worsted retired with his whole following into roman territory and placed himself under the protection of the emperor who readily accorded him all possible succor and support this step had an important result for the cause of the persecuted christians inasmuch as fritigern with all his followers went over to christianity and adopted the arian creed this conversion of fritigern to christianity and moreover to arian christianity powerfully influenced the further development of events since on the one hand it prepared the way for the wider extension and final victory of christianity among the goths and on the other hand it became a serious danger to the political existence of the nation when arianism had been suppressed among the romans for it had acquired a virtually national significance for the goths the sojourn of fritigern in roman territory was not of long duration confident in the support of the roman government he returned with his followers to his own country and succeeded in maintaining his position against athanaric there seems indeed to have been a reconciliation between the rivals alongside of them though doubtless inferior to them in power and influence a whole series of important chiefs are mentioned by name in this period among them alvio munderic Arewulf, and fravitta at the same time however athanaric continued to exercise a certain primacy although his position was not in any sense constitutionally defined among the romans he always bears the title of eudex not rex these goths of whom we have so long lost sight had in the meantime extended their dominions far and wide a mighty empire extending from the don to the Neister, from the black sea to the marshes of the pripet and the headwaters of the dnieper and the volga had emerged from their continual wars of conquest against their neighbours germanic such as the heroli slavonic and finnish the main portion of these conquests is doubtless to be ascribed to king emmanaric who had ruled over the grutungi since the middle of the century in contrast with the west goths who as we have seen down to the end of their residence on the danube were ruled according to ancient germanic custom by principis or local chiefs the east goths had early developed a monarchy embracing the whole nation it is doubtless to the inner strength which belongs to a firm and undivided exercise of authority that we are to attribute the rapid rise of the young ostrogothic state under its kings from ostrogotha to ermanaric a monarch under whose vigorous rule it enjoyed its period of greatest prosperity and also met its fall such was the state of affairs when a nation of untamed savages horrible in aspect and terrible from their countless numbers and ferocious courage broke forth from the interior of asia and threatened the whole of the west with destruction these were the huns they were doubtless of mongolian race and were probably natives of the great expanse of steppes which lies to the north and east of the caspian sea soon after three seventy they penetrated into europe and threw themselves with irresistible fury upon the peoples which came in their way the alani who had to bear the first brunt of their attack were soon overpowered and compelled to join their conquerors and the same fate befell the smaller peoples whose settlements lay further north on the right bank of the volga 
the fate of the ostrogothic empire was now imminent for a considerable time they succeeded in holding the enemy at the sword's point but finally their strength broke down before the weight of the asiatic hordes ermanaric himself died by his own hand rather than live to see the downfall of his kingdom his successor Vithimur, after several bloody defeats met his death on the field of battle all resistance ceased and the whole people surrendered itself to the huns the invading flood rolled westward to encounter the tervingi three seventy five at the first tidings of the events in the neighbouring country athanaric called his people to arms and marched with a part of his forces to meet the huns the gothic leader took his stand on the bank of the Niester, but finding himself compelled to abandon this position by a crafty turning movement of the enemy athanaric gave up thenceforward all thought of resistance in the field and betook himself to the impenetrable ravines of the transylvanian highlands but only some of the goths followed him thither the mass of the people weary of hardship and privation separated themselves and resolved to abandon their country under the leadership of their local chiefs alvio and fritigern they mustered their forces in the spring of three seventy six on the north bank of the danube and besought permission to enter the roman empire in the hope of finding a dwelling-place in the rich plains of thrace the emperor valens graciously received their request and gave orders to the commanders on the frontier to take measures for the shelter and provisioning of this huge mass of people the gulfs passed the river in boats and rafts and hollowed tree-trunks they made their way across and covered all the country round like the rain of ashes from an eruption of etna at first all went well the newcomers maintained an exemplary attitude not so the roman officials the chief of whom was the thracian comus lupicinus they used the precarious position of the barbarians to their own profit taking advantage of them in every possible way it was not long before their shameless injustice aroused the deep resentment of the teutons among whom famine had already set in things soon came to open rupture in the immediate neighbourhood of marcianople a bloody battle was fought between the infuriated teutons and the soldiers of lupicinus the romans were almost annihilated their leader took refuge behind the strong walls of the town which was immediately invested by the main body of the tervingian forces other divisions scattered over the plains plundering as they went all attempts of the barbarians failed to take the town by storm so fritigern made his peace with stone walls a strong force remained before the place as an army of observation while the main body turned as detachments of it had done before to the plundering of the adjoining districts of moesia once more the country suffered fearfully and to complete its misery other bands of plunderers now joined the goths diafali alani and even huns were drawn across the danube by the hope of plundering and ravaging these fertile provinces this was in the summer of three seventy seven troops were hurried up from all sides for the defence of the threatened provinces even gratian sent aid from the west meanwhile the goths had overrun all moesia not only had the bloody battle fought at a place called Silices, late summer three seventy seven been indecisive and cost the romans heavy losses but a strong detachment of roman troops under the tribune bar zamiris a teuton by race had been cut to pieces at debaltus a success which the dukes frigeridus likewise of teutonic birth gained over the tiafali and a company of the grutungi under their chief farnobius was not much to balance this and did not alter the fact that thrace which after the battle of Cilices had been overrun by the teutons remained a prey to them 
finally thirty may three seventy eight valens arrived at constantinople as soon as fritigern who lay in the neighbourhood of hadrianople heard of the emperor's arrival he gave the order for the widely scattered gothic forces to unite from this point onward events followed in quick succession at first the fortune of war seemed to smile upon the romans making hadrianople his base sebastianus the commander of reinforcements sent by gratian succeeded in inflicting a reverse upon the goths fritigern thereupon retired to the neighbourhood of cabile and there concentrated his forces thereupon valens on his part advanced to hadrianople resolved to venture upon a decisive stroke he had set his heart upon meeting his nephew gratian who was hastening up from the west with the news of a great victory and so nine august three seventy eight battle was joined near hadrianople it resulted in a terrible defeat of the romans in which the emperor himself was slain more than two-thirds of his army the flower of the military forces of the east was left upon the field of battle it was in truth a second canny the empire rocked to its foundations sheer panic fell upon all that bore the name of rome the power and glory of the empire seemed stamped into the dust by the barbarian hordes the struggle between rome and the teutons which we have followed through five centuries was drawing to a close the battle of hadrianople introduces the last act of the great drama the most pregnant with consequences which the history of the world has ever seen End of section twenty five